You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Erin Carey and we are both going to be talking about stress today and stress is on everybody's mind because of what's going in politics, the environment, the education system, the medical system, like you name it, there is stress everywhere and there are unique stressors that we're finding, you know, as we come out of COVID or, you know, as, as COVID lingers, whatever, you know, whatever your, your, how you see that there's also still issues with the supply chain there's issues with deliveries i went into the store the other day erin just to do my basic grocery shopping and half the meat was wiped out i'm like wow oh like, my gosh you know this is a big major you know it's changing. so you know we're still finding these things happening and getting parts for things i have friends who have waited three weeks for a special part for their air conditioning unit and they're like do we just buy a whole new unit when the part is only fifty dollars a new unit can be thousands but when you can't get the part all of a sudden this fifty dollar part and this hundred dollar two hundred dollar service fee is nothing compared to roasting you know in the house in southern california for for two three weeks and they yeah, don't know when they can get that part yep we've been out of a dishwasher for the whole like let's see the last three months. <laughs> so oh. it's yeah, which is not as bad as air conditioning for sure. We are making it work, but um, yeah, I mean, it's little things like that add up. And that's, I think that's, what's so important when we talk about stress, there's so many people that are like, well, yeah, I'm stressed, but it's fine. Yeah. I'm stressed, but it's fine. But it's these little things that build up over time and that are chronically stressful for our brains and our bodies. Right. I call them micro stressors because mm -hmm. everybody recognizes the big stressors. Somebody dies, you get a divorce, you move, you know, you, you change your relationship status, like all these things there, we, we all know those are big stressors, but little stressors like brownouts, you know, when they cut mm -hmm. the power, we've had some mm -hmm. brownouts recently and I can't get chlorine, you know, for my pool, you know, all these little things taken individually they're really not anything but when you already have an inflamed nervous system which we all do like we are mm -hmm. all you know on edge and you know you think everything's getting back to normal then something says nope nope not yet those little micro stressors start to pile up and you know it's like a wheelbarrow full of pebbles weighs as much as one big rock in the wheelbarrow but we have a different perception of it yeah. And perception is everything because your body does not know the difference between a real stressor or perceived stressor. So sure, we can be chronically stressed and we have all these things going on, but we're also thinking about the what ifs and just thinking about the what ifs that's sending chemical messages through the rest of our body. And so our body starts to get into survival mode. And I don't know about you, but I do feel like for me and my health, I've been in a bit of survival mode for probably the past three years for various reasons. And it is, it shows up in physical health. It shows up in digestion and the way that I even 
feel after eating, you know, you get those little refluxy types of feelings. A lot of people struggle with that because we're stressed when we're eating. So we don't get to digest. And then, you know, there are many women who struggle with, you know, reproductive issues, whether that's, um, you know, a cycle that becomes all of a sudden irregular, or maybe women are going into kind of perimenopausal symptoms earlier than what we would think, you know, air quotes, we should be, (laughs) you know, that has to do with survival mode. And then we have, even weight gain can be evidence of ongoing stress and appetite change that whole, you know, binge and restrict cycle we get into like, Oh, I'm eating really healthy for a while. And then, Oh my gosh, it's just like everything hit the fan and I'm eating everything in sight. And that's that what I call the lawnmower, because, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, it really stress can manifest in so many different ways, but so much of stress has to do with our perception of it yes. and what we are telling ourselves about our, our state of being. Right. Well, let's just take our cell phone for, for example, you know, cell phones are great. I love mine. I, you know, I have it with me all the time, but it does create an enormous amount of stress for me because my perception is that if a text comes in, I need to answer it. Like, like, what? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. when the mail comes in, you know, maybe in the 40s when the mail came, you know, everybody had to run to the door to get the mail and open the mail right away. Like, hello. But that's, that's our current perception is that if an email comes in, I need to answer it right away as if the other person is standing there, like staring Mm -hmm. at the phone. Now, if you have kids, your kid is standing there at the phone Mm -hmm. and you have to get back to them. Like yesterday I was getting my nails done and my kid was, you know, texting me and I'm like, I I have my hands in wax. My feet (laughs) are in a bucket. And I'm like, and I'm trying to like surreptitiously, like, my Apple watch, you know, trying mm-hmm. to hit these things. And then I'm like, this is stupid. There's nobody bleeding. There's nobody that needs to be picked up. Like the concept of, of important and urgent has really merged together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, remember when we used to be in, in companies where you were like, okay, this is important. This needs to get done, but not today. This is urgent. We need this by four o'clock. These things are ongoing. You have to maintain them. So maybe once or twice a month, we kind of had this like block system of where things go from urgent to important to, you know, emergency. And now like my response to when my cell phone bings, I'm like Pavlov's dog. Like I'm waiting for my treat. <laughs> But I'm conditioned to go, oh, something's important. And the fact is 99 times out of 100, it's not. It's somebody saying, hey, look what my funny cat did. Or, (laughs) you know, your uncle called me to congratulate me on my clean bill of health at, I think it was 1030 at night. And I jump out of bed thinking, oh, my God, you know, time change. Why is he calling right now? Time change. You know, things like that, but we've conditioned ourselves to believe that these alerts, I mean, even think of what it's called. It's an alert on your phone. What Mm. is an alert? Alert is supposed to alert us to danger. Alert is not designed to let us know there's a new recipe on Pinterest, but all of those things Mm -hmm. are bundled into that same stress ball. So when alerts come in, when emails come in, when things, phone calls happen, stop and think is this really urgent like do i need to drop everything because that drop everything causes that adrenaline rush <gasps> oh phone's ringing it sure does Text yeah came in. yeah well and, and it's interesting jump. 
Yes, you do. And every time, like you said, it's uh, alert means danger and stress. When we are talking about, you know, what stress does, it makes everything feel like an, an alert and everything yes. feel like a danger. Right. And then we also kind of, we can get addicted to that, the stress chemicals, we can get addicted to that stressed out feeling, like you said, because it feels good kind of to get that adrenaline burst, sure. right? Sure. Well, and it feels normal, the more it goes on, you know, and this yeah. is something that I think, you know, I learned from a bad marriage that you can not only tolerate things for a long time, but those tolerations become your normal. And if you're used to being treated badly, if you're used to your phone going off on all hours, that becomes your normal. Mm -hmm. And you've now conditioned yourself to live in an unhealthy environment. And now that I have, you know, different relationships than I had when I was married, I'm like, nice things can feel foreign. Let me open the door for you. Or can I get that for you? Can I carry your bag for you? All of a sudden, Aaron felt foreign and weird and uncomfortable because I was used to being married to someone who was already in the house by the time I got out the door. Like, you know, things like that. You know, whatever your normal is, you can, by adding little micro unhealthy behaviors and piling up little micro stresses, you can actually create a homeostatic normal of unhealthy behaviors where mm -hmm. healthy ones feel bad, like spinach and broccoli taste bad because you're always eating candy bars or, you know, protein shakes that don't have a lot of sugar in it. I had a no sugar macaroon the other day and it didn't have any fake sugar in it. It only had the natural sweetness of coconut. And I'm so used to eating the Girl Scout cookies <laughs> of the Samoans and I ate it. I'm like, oh, this is not at all what I was expecting. But I'm like, do I... I'm conditioned to sugar, chemicals, colors, dyes, so that when I had a natural homemade macaroon that was made with just whole ingredients, I'm like, oh, this isn't very good. <laughs> you know, and that's such a good analogy about how people feel when I, you know, because I work with a lot of clients on stress management and health you know, establishing new healthy routines, behaviors. And when I bring up the idea of meditation or stillness, that is very uncomfortable for a lot of people because our norm becomes rushing and we're constantly mimicking the feeling of stress without even realizing it. I think a lot of people don't realize how stressed they are until the, the bad stuff pops up, right? The big diagnoses. Yes. <laughs> That's when we're like, oh, hmm, maybe I should work on that. But we don't realize it. Like you said, it's just our normal. So when I bring up the idea of meditation or finding stillness, or maybe turning off your notifications, or maybe taking a 24 hour phone break or whatever you can do, it's like, well, wait, that's not familiar. What's familiar is the constant notifications. And even in my brain, the constant notifications, right? Sure. That's why laying still and breathing is so hard because everybody's like, oh, but the thoughts, the thoughts, they're noisy and there's so many. And I start yes. thinking, yeah, but that's what your brain is supposed to do. Your brain's supposed to think you're right. not supposed to completely clear out all of the thoughts. And I know with meditation, we would like to aim toward that but our body wants to survive. Our brain wants to survive. And if we're talking about a lifetime of survival and stress hormones, it's okay. It's okay for your brain to go a little wonky when you try to lay still and breathe. And I think even just adjusting that and going, you know, even the, the things that we feel are uncomfortable to us that get us out of our norm, at least being accepting of something different 
can make a big impact on our health. Sure. And I think recognizing it, you know, yeah. I can really meditate good now. I couldn't before I had cancer, yeah. not that cancer helped me meditate, but, but cancer cured me of a lot of things, or I, yeah. I didn't cure cancer. Cancer cured me is the thing I like to say, because before I, you know, meditation is a big part of your cancer treatments and, you know, it's a very popular way to de-stress and detox your body and to get through procedures, which are uncomfortable, scary, and just downright, I don't know who made up these tests. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like we're going to put you in a tiny little tube for 40 minutes and you're going to be bound completely to the board. Like how many people are going to go, yay, <laughs> like that's, you know, these things. So you have to really, to be successful in these treatments, you have to learn how to manage your stress so the first couple meditation classes Aaron I was like fidgeting my arms are moving I you know I'm trying to close my eyes close open close open and finally the lady who led the class said to me when you go home tonight I want you to find some guided meditations on you know YouTube Spotify wherever you listen to stuff and she's like, we're going to work these down in chunks, not try to go from racing brain to, you know, clear headed. And so I started with and I, I couldn't do a 20 minute one because I'd fall asleep. Like, hmm. so she had me do five minutes, just do some five minutes. And once I found I mastered the five minutes. Then she's like, find a 10 minute. And she's like, maybe now instead of guided meditation, try a music meditation. Then I went to lake waves and I actually still do prefer the sound of lake waves or rain, but I can actually, like I had to have a big scan on Sunday and that was 40 minutes in the tube. I was able to clear my head. Uh -huh. I was able to because there were a couple times it's like oh my god oh my god you're in here like your shoulders are tight I don't know if you've ever been in one of those tubes it's really tiny mm -hmm. and you know I'm like oh my god I can't breathe I can't get out you know these were my racing thoughts and I'm yeah. like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to the waves and I made some pretend waves in my head and I was like lap <laughs> lap <laughs> lap and then like the lapping started to counting I'm like what if I count laps so I'm gonna count you know 60 laps so I counted like lap one lap two and what it did was then they said they're like Miss Beck eight minutes left you know because they give you the time you know when you're in there for a long time they tell you you know where you are in the process and I'm like I only had 60 laps to count but it took like I don't know 10 minutes hmm. so I lost the concept of being in this tube for all this time and all of it was mental gymnastics. You know, I'm literally yes. strapped to a board with my whole body compressed, wrapped in a blanket, stuffed in a tube. So you're not really, you can't do anything else. So that yeah. process of training my brain, it doesn't happen overnight. And especially for some of us that struggle with racing brain, I'm the kind of person that mm -hmm. wakes up in the middle of the night and I have 500 ideas all jamming at once. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, me too. And I wanted to bring up, I've been reading this book. Oh my goodness. It's, it's incredible. It's called the biology of belief. And it really truly is all of, he's yes, it's incredible. And it's, it's an older book and I don't know why it took me so long, maybe because I was intimidated by all the heavy science in it, because there's it a lot heavy. about, about ourselves, you know, but he, there's a study that he mentions that it was published in 2013 and it documented for the first time that a physiological state of deep rest induced by practices like meditation, yoga, deep breathing, even prayer, it produces immediate changes in the expression of genes involved in immune function, energy metabolism, and insulin secretion results 
that should impress, as he says, even the most skeptical biomedical researchers, because what goes on in our brain sends messages through every single part of our body, because our brain Real is connected imagined. to the rest of our body. Exactly. Right. Real or and so like you're saying about that, you know, just being able to calm down and, and do the, the, you know, the sound of the lake in your head, you know, all of that. <laughs> I mean, not only did that take you into a place of calm, but I just wonder what kind of physiological changes it helped to support in your body as your body was trying to heal from such a serious, serious diagnosis, you know? And I think so many people, and I even, I, I, I know I see a lot of women who are discouraged by diagnoses, you know, especially oh, autoimmune sure. where it's like, they're kind of told for a while it's in their head because the labs don't really show anything. And then they finally, but it kind of me, is like, yes. this is, you know, like, that's the thing. It kind of, it's, yeah. it's in your head. Like, like some of my cancer, I believed Aaron was in my head mm -hmm. because it was the thoughts I was thinking that was creating an environment in my body that was conducive for cancer to grow. Like I look at myself mm -hmm. as a petri dish like you know if you took a piece of fruit and laid it on the counter and and didn't do anything to it for like six days it's gonna rot it's gonna get moldy it's all these things now let's take that same peach let's wash it cut it up clean it put it in a bag and put it in the fridge it will last a week right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. my body in all honesty was the moldy peach on the counter because i wasn't watching what i was eating i wasn't watching my lifestyle i wasn't watching what i was thinking and my thoughts were creating stress and yeah. so when i got this wicked you know stage 3c diagnosis a couple years ago i'm like okay i'm doing something wrong and I know that most things start with our beliefs because our beliefs determine our behaviors, our actions. They determine what happens in our body. When I was in that tube and I'm like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Like, what do you mean I can't breathe? Aaron, the tube mm -hmm. is big enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not strapped so tight I can't breathe. You know, I can push a little button if I want to get out. Like, like, come on now, Stan. You know, your thoughts are going haywire. But I realized how much those stressful thoughts created the stress response in my body. When I said okay. to myself in my head, I can't breathe, my head, my chest goes, <gasps> you know, and like my heart starts to pound, all these things, all this reacted because of my thoughts. And so mm -hmm. cleaning up, cancer helped me clean up my thought life because yeah. that thought life really can make us sick. So there is some truth that some of it is all in your head. It's not all in yeah. your head that it's not happening, but what are you creating in your head? What kind of yeah. petri dish are you creating for things to grow? And and it starts there. And I think it, it is interesting when we're talking about specifically things like autoimmune disease, there is a real strong correlation between trauma and a significant tra traumatic event and autoimmune disease. But I've even sure. seen that cancer as well. Grief and cancer seem to go hand in hand for a Absolutely. lot of people. And it's that, that state of constant, you know, and it's not just, I, I don't want to say there, it's not even a um, conscious negativity that, that oh. we go through, right? It's just, you're so overwhelmed by, a, for a lot of people, what has happened to them right. that then their body responds as if again, they're in survival mode. Sure. So everything goes a little haywire to balance, but in order to balance, it creates some negative symptoms and some negative side effects. And so if we can, you know, I always love the idea of partner partnering with our bodies, you know, if we can yes. partner with our bodies, in order to realize my body's on my side, my body 
knows what to do. My body can withstand so much, but am I giving it a fighting chance by continuing to have all my notifications on by continuing to answer every single text and email as soon as they come in by continuing to live with zero boundaries between work and play and personal time. And, and I mean, that's the reason I do go to yoga as, as much as I can, you know, it, it's been a little busy with kids stuff lately, but that's my therapy because that's the only thing that I have. That's just for me. And I have to put my phone away. That's so horrible, but that's the only no. time, like you can't get, get your phone out in the middle of yoga. No, well, and that's <laughs> be shunned. your little yoga breaks, you know, can be five minutes during the day. You can close the door, yes. lay on the floor, stretch out your legs, stretch mm-hmm. out your back. You know, I teach yoga on Wednesday nights and I take, teach meditation and breathing at my gym now because everybody's so stressed, Erin. Mm-hmm. Like, and I will say, I have one of those fitness watches and before I did my treatments, my resting heart rate was around 70 to 75 and my average heart rate during the day was 85 to 90. Talk about stress, okay? Now that I'm sleeping differently, I'm stretching more and I'm doing regular meditation and regular is whatever it means for you. You don't have to do it every day. You don't have to do 20 minutes a day, but because I become more mindful, my resting heart rate, Erin, now is 59 to, if it's 75, I'm like, ooh, I must be stressed. Like that's Mm -hmm. 10 beats a minute times how many minutes in a day times how many weeks, months, and years. Like I have completely changed and that has a chemical change happening. My thoughts, when you calm yourself down, you're no longer shooting adrenaline into your body, making your heart rate Mm -hmm. up, doing all these things. You know, I was doing these to myself. And I think that's the biggest thing is taking ownership over your own thoughts. No one's making you think certain things, Yeah, but you have to slow down and think about or write down in a journal or take a napkin at a at a you know restaurant and write down your thoughts go what is what's going on in my thought life you know we have our physical life we have our spiritual life we have our emotional life why can't we have a thought life mm-hmm. and if we think about what's going on in our thought life if we manage our mind and learn how to manage our mind all of a sudden because that's what i did my body changed mm-hmm. yeah. you know the cancer had nothing to do with my heart it had nothing to do with my heart rate So why the big change? The big change is, is purposefully calming myself down throughout the day, because that's what mindfulness is. It's a purposeful calming. And that's what your yoga is. Yeah, it's flexible. Yeah, it's, you know, for weight loss and and muscle strength, it can do all these things. But when you take a break during the day, lay flat on your floor, bring your knees up to your chest and rock back and forth like a baby. Mm -hmm. Do that 10 times, get back in your seat and your office, you know, shut your door and see how you feel. And imagine all those chemicals now that you used to be shooting out that are making you sick or hurting you are gone. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be just little, like you mentioned, little check-ins throughout the day. Like I think the heart rate example is such a good one because it's clearly our bodies are giving us clues, but are we tuning in? Most of us have learned not to tune in, just shut it down or, you know, 
take something for the symptom instead of actually going, okay, wait a minute, what is my body telling me? And so I, I think for some people, we feel like in our shoulders, you know, sure. there are times where I feel like I can't take a deep breath because I'm so overwhelmed. My chest right. is locked up. That's a good way to check in. You know, I, there are tension headaches we get there. There's all sorts of my hips will get tight. Sure. There's so many different symptoms that my body tells me, but am I actively, actively listening, you know, and just observing and going, well, that's interesting. My body is tighter than it was yesterday. Did I do anything different? Did I do any, you know, weird exercise? Did I sleep funny? Did I, or maybe am I a little bit more stressed today? If I am, okay, what can I do then? What can I do to help calm myself down? How can I, you know, we do this for our kids. We help calm our kids down. Nobody's calming us down except us. Right. That's huge. We right. have to self-regulate because nobody's regulating for us. Right. And we, we aren't really taught how to do that past a certain age when somebody else is there to comfort us. And for the many people who didn't have that comfort as, as children, you know, you're just left with, I don't know, just shutting it down most likely. Right, right. Or ignoring <laughs> it. Forward. Or, right. <laughs> yes. Pushing through it. Yes. That's why one of my fun things that I teach in my class that I will teach you in today's show is it's called the vowel test. I made it up. Oh, fun. Okay. So what I want you to do is I want you to say the A-E-I-O-U vowel test with me, but stretch out your face. So go A, big A. A, E, I, O, U. Now, did your face feel tight? A little bit, but I did like do yoga today. Right. Okay. Well, you did your yoga today, but, but imagine, you know, when we sit in the workplace or we're with our friends and family, we have kind of that face, you know, the muscles are the pleasant uh-huh. face. And so we're not really relaxed. We're, you know, we're, we're just, we're just not relaxed. So when you take your vowels yeah. and you do big vowels, A, E, I, O, U, open your whole face up. All of a sudden you can you can look at that and go if it's really tight you're probably really stressed yeah. the other one is my my little deep breath test so just take a deep breath count to five in two three four five if your ribs feel tight then you are stressed you're holding your breath so simple simple little checkpoint mm-hmm. during the day do your vowels do your deep breath and see what you feel and if your body is tight if your face is tight get up walk around move you know breathe in and out move those arms and legs because we sit still too much we're frozen on our phone we're frozen at our computers we're frozen at our desks and these are two quick little easy ways to determine how tense your body is Yeah. I love that. I wish that we had video that this was video so that people could see how weird, even after you're talking, I was like, I'm sitting here trying to stretch my face out all weird going, well, is my face tight? That's, that's a great way to check in with the physical tension. That is a manifestation of our emotional cognitive tension. I love that. That's really helpful. And didn't your face feel all nice and warm after? Because you make really extended vowels, like your A is ah, you know, like Mm -hmm. this, you know, the point is to make an awful face, like big scrunchy, Mm -hmm. moving all those (laughs) muscles, but it's amazing the difference. And then how you feel like I will do my vowels and then I'll go in and teach my class so that my face is relaxed. 
I like that. Yeah. It also made me laugh a little bit, which is not a bad thing. Laughing yeah. is good. <laughs> you know, if, if it causes a few giggles, that's probably something you need as well. So I love that. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. Um, I think that's such a good indicator because so many of us, I mean, why did it take me so long to learn to check in with myself? Like it almost, I think for a lot of people, it feels like it's not safe to check in with yourself, right. you know, cause you got to, we got stuff to do. We got to push. But you forward. don't have time. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you can't take 10 seconds, like literally mm -hmm. the vowel thing. A E I O U seven seconds, you know, the deep breath you're sitting there, you got to breathe anyway. Like, you know, it's not like I'm asking you to do anything extra special, but it's that little bit of mindfulness. And that, that tells me that we're going too fast. You know, Aaron, our time is up. I want to thank you for doing the simulcast with me today. You guys can check out Aaron Carey at Sparking Wholeness. My name is Sandra Beck. We'll be back again soon with another great episode. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze, and I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.